You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlitt. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Well, we're getting there slowly but surely. Not sure we're going to make it before we all go crazy. At least that's the way it's seeming because I'm seeing a whole lot of crazy going on. Plus, and, and I, although this is pretty common for Twitter, it, it's not very common for me, I've noticed. I got scolded twice. And I don't usually care, but man, I you know, that alarm clock goes off at 3 o'clock. I hit snooze until 3.30 because I'm super tired. And then it's like, all right, just go on your phone and search through stuff. Find out all your notifications. See if there's anything interesting to kind of wake you up. And it's just people scolding me for stuff. And it's like, you know what? This is going to put me in a bad mood. Which is fine because bad mood and an energy drink is actually a pretty solid way to start the podcast. But it just feels like a weird day. I don't know. Like, what, 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 what's going on? What's, what's the problem today? It's only Tuesday, you know? It's a really bad day to be doing that. You know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays especially... Tuesday's probably the worst, because it feels midweek, but we're nowhere near Friday. So just just relax, all right? Scold me on Thursday or Friday, and I probably won't care. But anyways, people are also going crazy with rumors. It's like we're, in this last week or so before the draft, it's like we got to come up with some crazy stuff. And one of the big rumors is that Jordan Love is about to be traded. And I had somebody on Facebook hit me up, and um, obviously they saw this fake rumor and they're running with it and trying to sound smart and like, I, I just know he's getting traded. And it's like, no, you don't. You saw a fake rumor. So apparently um, there's a leaked photo. And this is coming from some Patriots guy with 500 followers who got it from somebody else. And I think I know who it is. But there's a uh, tweet and it says, this sheet makes note a, uh, to a possible trade with the Patriots involving 2020 rookie quarterback Jordan Love, rumored to be from a Green Bay office. The details are the Patriots trading down from pick 15 to acquire Love, uh, the 29th pick, and a fourth-round pick. Now, look, I'm not saying there's a 0% chance the Packers are considering trading Love. I don't think that they are. What I am saying is this is fake. In fact, I already saw um, Big B on Twitter said, yeah, this guy's done this before. He uh, tried this in 2018 where he snapped a, a hidden picture of some Green Bay Packer sheet that, you know, here, in fact, it says, I don't know if he got this as a DM or what, but it says, my dad works in the custodial department in New York. He snuck a picture of this when he saw a bunch of NFL executives walking out of a meeting room. And um, apparently it's a Green Bay Packer with a very top secret piece of paper just wide open for everybody to see. He's got this big binder where he could put his papers in, but instead he's going to take this top secret piece of paper, put it on the outside and hold it as he walks past. And this guy gets a super clean picture of a guy that's apparently moving forward which is pretty unlikely. Also, why, I mean, I guess it could be a cell phone, but again, I don't know you're getting this clean of a picture with, with your cell phone, but I don't know. I guess he's just out there being super obvious, snapping pictures of this top secret piece of paper. It, what looks like from about three feet away also, by the way, I should mention. That was the one in 2018. This time around, uh, the picture is a, uh, a desk. And again, kind of funny because the way it's laid out is, is kind of ridiculous if you look at it. I mean, it kind of just looks like a messy desk. It's just some stuff sitting there. It certainly doesn't... I mean, whose desk is this? You trying to convince me this is Brian Gutekunst's desk or what? Because it looks like it's some, you know, 
$58 desk that you found on the side of the road sitting in in your basement. But apparently this is some high-level uh, Green Bay Packer whatever. But it's funny because, again, you have a, a like binder where you can put all your stuff in, but there's two pieces of paper, and one piece of paper is sticking out of the top where you can see Green Bay Packer and NFL letterhead, so you know it's the Packers and, and the NFL. And then there's another piece of paper that's just sticking out of the bottom just to show the whole Jordan Love trade. You can't see anything else. All you can see is Green Bay Packers letterhead and some potential trades, and the rest is just random papers, and there's nothing else to see. I mean, I get it that it's creative. They put a lot of time into this. You know, probably took them a while, like 18 seconds to create this on their computer and uh, print it off and set it on their $50 Walmart grandma desk. And granted, they do have to get one of those, like, commercial phones. Maybe they're at their, their, they might be at their job because, you know, those phones I don't think are super cheap. But, you know, the other thing is notice how nobody else is talking about this. If there was any legitimacy to this, do you think for one second Ian Rappaport and the rest of these guys wouldn't be jumping all over it? This wouldn't be like wall-to-wall coverage of ESPN and everything else. You know why nobody else is talking about it? Because they know it's fake. Because everybody knows this is fake. I mean, this is the biggest leak of the century, and some random Patriots guy got 220 likes. That's it. Not a single nod from any blue check mark. nothing. But while we're here, why is Ted Nugent trending? I'm scared to click it. Also, Twitter needs to do a better job of telling me why things are trending when I click on it. You know what I mean? Like, all, all it is is you see people talking about whatever it is you click on, and then you, I, I'll usually scroll for, like, an hour, which is obviously an exaggeration. And it's like, I still don't know what's going on. Like, somebody explain this to me. I should have a way of putting, like, something at the top that's like, uh, this is trending because of this. When I was a teenager, for some reason, that escapes me now. Some friends and I drove to see a Ted Nugent concert. On the way home, in the pouring rain, my friend's car broke down, and we had to get out and walk. That's what I think about Ted Nugent. All right, cool. Glad that, that this is trending. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that's not why, but that's, that's what happens every time. But anyways, while we're here, and I don't mean Ted Nugent, I'm talking about the other thing. Why don't we just play with it? Why don't we just say, all right, it's real. What do you think? Because honestly, my first thought is, eh, getting another first round pick, man, I, you know, I don't know. Now, look, I, I've said I like Jordan Love. I've also said there's a very low chance that he becomes a very good quarterback. We have to take shots at quarterback if we want to not go through a period, a very dark period of sucking. And so I think we need to be taking shots at quarterback. That doesn't mean every shot we take is going to be fantastic. Now, if by chance the Packers have evaluated them and they're looking at it, they're like, all right, look, Rodgers is now the MVP. He's clearly very, very good in this system. He doesn't seem to be losing a step. Jordan Love is not very good. And there's no way we're, we're replacing Rodgers while we have Jordan Love on this rookie contract which means he's going to be sitting on the bench for the next three years. The Patriots call, and they say, we need a quarterback, we'll give you 15 for it. you got to give us back a fourth, but we'll give you our pick 15 overall. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm going to be super mad about it. And even people who are, you know, oh, you're such an idiot. See, this is why you shouldn't have taken Jordan Love. Dude, we got a pick 15 overall for Jordan Love, which, by the way, is another reason why this is kind of absurd. His value went up that much because he sat on the bench for a year. But hey, we're playing with the idea. That's a heck of an investment. Name one other first-round pick that you're going to get a 15 overall for. There's not many out there, especially any of that sat on the bench. How about this for an exercise? Name somebody the Packers could have drafted instead of Jordan Love that could have returned something like that. There isn't anybody. So again, if that were to happen, it still makes it a really solid pick because we got a heck of a return for it. 
Again, it won't happen, but, you know, you wouldn't even be able to be mad at, at, at the value of the pick. Beyond that, an interesting little tidbit here. Technically speaking, if the Packers were to trade pick 29 and pick 15, they could very easily trade with a team that apparently is taking phone calls to move back, and that is the Atlanta Falcons at pick four, meaning it's possible that they could move on, and this would probably make a lot of people mad, but if they were determined to find the new quarterback, we could end up with a guy like Trey Lance or Mac Jones or Justin Fields. Man, would, would that just be, JJ would be so happy. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say that. I don't know if he would, but I know a lot because we'd be losing essentially three picks for a quarterback, which is what would make that brutal. But I mean, if, if that's what our main determination was, that we really need to, to find a new quarterback. And you've got Trevor Lawrence going one, you got Wilson going two, then either, you know, if Mac Jones does go three, which I don't buy, then we got Justin Fields. If if Justin Fields goes three, then uh, you got Mac Jones and Trey Lance just sitting there. So it is it is a fun exercise. And if you decide you don't want to do that, forget the whole quarterback thing. We don't need to replace Aaron Rodgers right now, which again, you're not going to get a lot of real good opportunities like this to get a quarterback. So it's going to be hard to walk away from it. Just saying. But if not, you add pick 15 to your list, and you know I don't want to dedicate too much time to looking into this because, again, it's fake, but obviously you can get some very top-tier talent, whether that be a tackle, uh, Micah Parsons, very possibly if you wanted to use a pick on a linebacker, maybe Jalen Waddles sitting there. So it, it's fun to, to play around with, and, and to answer the question, would you do it? It's hard because I don't know why they're doing it. If they're doing it because they've determined that Jordan Love is garbage, then it's a no-brainer. But you're not going to get a pick 15 for garbage. If the question is, you know, the, the Patriots think he's really, really good because he is really, really good, but we just don't need him for the next couple of years, so let's just get rid of him. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to optimize three years to throw away the next 10. That's just not how I work. And remember, I'm not saying we have a bad three years and then the next 10 are possibly good with Jordan Love. I'm saying we have a great three years with Aaron Rodgers, but we either are going to have a really good next 10 years with Jordan Love or just garbage years because we threw away a quarterback to pick up some random wide receiver. But again, I don't know why we would make the trade. But man, that would be the ultimate. I mean, you want to talk about Packers fans just losing it. I mean, there would be people that would just say, I'm done with this team. If they traded Jordan Love and everybody that hates Jordan Love is so excited and doing backflips and then we package both of our picks and technically our fourth to move up and get another quarterback. Oh, funny, funny. Anyways, that leads us to another hypothetical. JJ asked, if Jordan Love had declared for a draft a year earlier, would he have been a second quarterback drafted? I think I know where he's going with this. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. And I'll, I'll just answer the question as it is first, and then I'll answer what I think is the hidden motivation. So if he had declared a year earlier, he would have been in the group with Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, et cetera, et cetera. First of all, not a very good group of quarterbacks just in general. Now, I know every year we have quarterbacks, we have to pretend like it's this great group, right? Kyler Murray's a freak, Dwayne Haskins is incredible, blah, blah, blah. And so the question would be, between Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, and Jordan Love, where would he have fallen? I think it's possible you could say that he would have been the second guy taken. Um, Kyler Murray, so if we just look at, for example, PFF grades, you've got Kyler Murray had three years, one year at Texas A&M, he wasn't very good. His first year at Oklahoma was decent, but not great. And then 2018 was when he had his full time. He's the quarterback. He's the guy. He takes over and had a 94 overall grade. He was very, very good. Dwayne Haskins had two years at Ohio State, his first year where he didn't play all that much. 
68 overall, takes over in 2018 as an 85 overall grade, decent. Jordan Love was similar, but didn't grade out quite as well. 66 uh, in 2017, where he had 250 dropbacks. 2018, he had 438 drops at backs, had an 83 overall grade. He had much higher highs, but he had a lot lower lows also. So I think it would have been relatively similar, which probably isn't super comforting that he would have been right in there with Dwayne Haskins. But I mean, the grades are very similar. You know, average 2017, good 2018. They kind of broke out at the same time. Obviously, Haskins went into the the NFL and kind of flopped out. Jordan Love went back to college, had a bad year, and then got drafted later. Uh, Let's see, big-time throw percentage was similar, 4.2, 4.5. Jordan Love is a little bit ahead on that. Turnover-worthy plays, 2.8 compared to 2.9. So Jordan Love is one-tenth of a percent lower. Haskins had quite a bit higher adjusted completion percentage. Time to throw, Jordan Love was robotic. I mean, 2.26 seconds. He was just incredibly efficient. Haskins was 2.54. 122 pass rating compared to 110 for Jordan Love. I mean, again, just very similar. Their rushing grades were almost identical. Jordan Love was a tiny bit higher, but they're about the same in terms of their rushing ability. Similar in size, 6'3", 231 for Dwayne Haskins, 6'4", 225 for Jordan Love, a little taller, not quite as big. So it's kind of horse apiece, I guess. Then even if you look at the stats, which Jordan Love did quite well with his uh, 3,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, but Dwayne Haskins had 4,800 yards, 50 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. So yeah, I just, I think it was very similar. If I had to guess, Dwayne would go earlier because he's at Ohio State and Jordan Love is at Utah, but I don't know. Maybe not. Now, as far as possibly the hidden motivation, and I won't spend a lot of time because maybe I'm making this up, but who is projected to be the second pick this year? It's a guy that plays for a somewhat smaller school who had one kind of breakout year. Maybe the thought process is we shouldn't be putting a lot of stock in guys with one breakout year, but um, if that's where you're going, I would just say back off that narrative because it's not going to hold up because uh, Zach Wilson is he would have gone easily number one in 2018. Maybe I shouldn't say easily, but he was better. It was just, it was a bad quarterback class. So yeah, Jordan Love would have been probably two, maybe three. Since we're in the realm of rumors, there's also a, uh, if I may pull this article up here, there's a lot of talk about the Packers trading up. I know that's already been a thing because everybody's, you know, Gutekunst has done that pretty much every year. And so uh, that's already been under... uh, under the microscope. Is he going to trade up again? Some people even in the mock drafts are saying, well, he's done it every year. So again, we got to turn every coincidence or everything that's that's happened in the past into some rule that has to happen as though Brian Gutekunst has this rule where you have to trade up in the first. I, I don't know why we have to do that, but you add to that a quote from Gutekunst and that's kind of sent everybody spiraling into this is really going to happen. Here is that quote. Probably going to happen to that group as well. Got 10 picks. Do you consider yourself armed and dangerous for this one? Yeah, I feel like we're going to be able to move around the board a little bit to get the players we want. Uh, obviously, when you have the kind of season we had last year, you're picking at the bottom of every round, which, which is obviously makes it a little more difficult. But with the added picks, I think if there's a player that we can go up and uh, we need to go up to get, we'll be able to do it. So it's a little bit hard to hear because they got the music cranked up and Brian Gutekunst is whispering and the microphone is in the next room, I think. But anyways... Point is, at the very end, he said, we have enough picks that if we need to go up and get somebody, we can do it. So everybody, all they, all anybody heard was Brian Gutekunst said, we're going to move up and draft somebody in the first round. To be clear, he never said we're going to trade up. 
He also never said we're going to trade up in the first round. He said that we have a lot of picks because of the compensatory picks. We've added more picks. We now have 10 picks. If we feel that we need to move up for any reason, whether that's in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh round, although by the time you're in the seventh round, you're out of picks, but you get what I'm saying. We have the ability to move up if we feel the need to, and I've already explained how that happens. All these players are ranked into tiers. As you're going down, people are being picked off of those tiers. If you have five guys left in a tier and you pick in three picks, you're not trading up. If you have two guys left and you pick in you know, five picks, and then one of those two just leaves, so now you're four picks away and there's only one guy left, you probably want to pick up the phone and see if you can go up and get that guy. Because once that guy goes off, you're in a whole other category of players that you have deemed to be lesser. They're not on this tier. And you can break up the tiers into sort of general categories of, you know, Hall of Fame, Cal, you know, NFL.com does that, I think. I don't know exactly. They, they put names to the tiers, potential Hall of Famer or whatever. But generally, that's that's what you're doing. And so you, you're, let's say we're in the fourth round, you've got, you know, one guy left that you think is a really good player. And then the next tier is guys that you think could be contributor, you know, like rotational depth, whatever. So yeah, you want to move up and get that guy. But there is no plan prior to the draft to move up. There's no concrete plan in the draft to move back, although there may be, depending on your your team structure and needs and everything else, you may be thinking that we may want to do a little bit of this or a little bit of that. You know, if you're a team that has a lot of picks and only a, a handful of needs, maybe you're thinking a little bit harder about moving up. If you're a team that has... Uh, not a lot of picks, but has a lot of needs, you might be thinking we'd be a good idea to move back, but you don't have to. Either way, it would be a good idea to wait and see what's available at the time before you make that determination. Something else to keep in mind, and it's not easy to acquire picks in 2022, but I do think, um, let me see if I took a note somewhere. I did. There was an article here, and I don't know who wrote it or whatever, but I, I, I believe they were talking to Gil Brandt. And the point is, he's been talking to some people, and, and teams seem to be prioritizing 2022 and later more so than 2021 because of COVID. You had so many players that opted out of 2020 that makes it hard to evaluate. I don't really want a guy from in this draft that hasn't played since 2019. You've also got shortened seasons, so I don't really, I can't evaluate properly um 2020 there's also the fact that there was no workouts there were, you know teams players couldn't get together and do practices and all these kinds of things so 2020 is such a ridiculous year so many players either didn't play had a shortened play or when they played it's just it's a skewed thing so if a team has the ability to trade back and acquire 2022 picks i think there might be an emphasis on that. If you see some bigger trade backs, I think you, you might see some of these teams, like, for example, the Falcons, who are possibly thinking about moving back. Part of that package, they may actually want 2022 picks. Here's a little blurb from what I'm talking about. It says, never has there been a draft when the first three offensive linemen, all likely to be top 20 picks, come in after a year off from football. Never has there been a draft where one of the top corners, Caleb Farley, will be drafted having not played a football game in the previous 512 games. And never has there been a draft when a quarterback likely to be drafted in the top 10, Trey Lance, has played one football game in 15 months. This is why a few teams have deferred picks to the future. Miami has two first-round picks in 2022 and 2023. Philly could have three ones next year, and the Jets have an extra one and two next year. Quote, I love getting picks next year, Brant says. Quote, 
This year, a pick you'd get in the fourth round might be the quality of a sixth round pick next year. There's just so many unknowns, and it's so much harder to grade. It's so much harder to evaluate. So you may see, and the Packers could possibly be included in this, deferring, if possible, if you trade back, acquiring 2022 picks. Just something to keep in mind is all I'm saying. Because it does make sense, and I know we're all excited about it, and we get all jacked up and in our minds, and because of the draft media and everything, we have this idea that this class is just stacked like every other class. There's all these great guys, and there are, but there's such gaps in information that the likelihood of, and we talk, we used to talk about this all the time months ago. We've kind of stopped talking about it because, again, we've solidified this guy's a freak. Trey Lance is great. Caleb Farley is great. All these offensive linemen are great. But we talked about the very distinct possibility that there may be a lot more first-round busts, but also steals in the later rounds because there are guys who are really good football players that, you know, had they played, maybe they would have had their breakout, breakout year or maybe they had a bad year because of COVID and so that drops them or uncertainty if for some reason because of COVID and that drops them and, and really they're just good football players and you get them back into a meeting room, you get them back into a proper training structure and they just thrive. So you might have more first-round busts and, and sixth-round, fifth-round, fourth-round just studs which again kind of lends itself to the idea of trading back. Maybe making taking more swings makes more sense. And if at all possible, take swings next year when you have a better uh, body of information on the prospects you're going to be drafting. Just a thought. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? Again, thank you to everybody that has invited their friends and family to the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. We've got, uh, looks like six new people. I, I struggled to get like one or two people a day. We had six people join in the last 24 hours. If you are a member of the group, I would again encourage you to hit that little invite button. Any Packer fans, just go ahead and get them, get them involved in the group. If you'd like to support the podcast directly, you can go to patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can uh, support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. And again, if everybody listening gave $1 a month, I could start having that conversation with the wife about, please, can I not go to work anymore? Although we just bought a house, so that's probably not going to fly. But I'll keep pestering. We'll get there. It's also quite an uphill climb. We are at about 6% of the audience right now is currently a supporter. Actually, it's significantly less than that when we look at the full audience, not just the daily audience. We are at uh, 0.9%, almost 1% of the audience. Anyways, please consider that. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. There have been some other rumors. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the 49ers and what they're going to do. Uh, Benjamin Albright has come out and said that there's uh, a lot of buzz about the 49ers and Justin Fields. And in fact, the current Vegas odds have Justin Fields still going to the, the 49ers. Now, this doesn't really impact the Packers directly. Either way, it's going to be about the same pile of guys, but it does impact the landscape of the NFL. The 49ers are obviously a, an NFL team. They are a obstacle for the Green Bay Packers. They have a lot of potential of being a very dangerous team if they make the right picks, but also can continue to be garbage for the next 5, 10 years if they make the wrong picks. 
So it does impact us. Same is true with every other team picking, especially when we're talking about early round quarterbacks. You look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes, look at how the landscape of the NFL has changed because of that one pick made. The other end of that spectrum obviously would be the Chicago Bears. But anyways, I'm still somewhat leaning in that direction, but there was one big blow that came to that. And and it's not really new information, but it is somebody that I tend to trust that made an extremely definitive statement. And I want to play that for you. This is Michael Lombardi. I guess you could say he's an insider. He's a former personnel guy who still has connections. And and so you could, again, you can call him an insider. Maybe former personnel guy would make more sense. But, it you know, again, whatever. I, I, I like what he has to say. I like some of his insights and his show and all that kind of stuff. But he's doing a uh, interview on the rap radio, whatever that is. And, and I just want to play this segment for you really quickly. Over the last 24 hours, of course, we tackled yesterday extensively Justin Fields <laughs> jumping up yes. as far Can as Can I tell you odds. the news that I've yes. heard? I Can I tell you it. the news that I've heard? Justin Fields is not going to go number three. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Now, if you want to believe that or not, I love the people on Twitter that say that they're like weathermen. Like, seriously, like, where are you getting your information? Like, you got better sources than me? Good luck. Good luck. I'm just telling you, it's, if, it's, if it's not Mac Jones, it's Trey Lance. So take that as it, what you want, Patrick. Please do with it what you will. <laughs> I'm literally opening up my app and betting right now, so I will take it. I have a front row seat to the information. Uh, so you just can, you, you can buy them. You can buy the perception. I see you, JJ. I love when you raise your hands over there. You look good doing it. I got to get you a daily coach shirt when you do it. Wait, you know? just to be clear before the action update, take the lumberjack off. Just to off. be clear, I need That's to a know. Bill Berman line. Let's be clear here. That's Justin a Fields, that not going he's three not going overall. Three. Okay. He's not going to go three, Patrick. Now, everything, if this was not Michael Lombardi, and I'm not saying he's, he's, he knows everything because he doesn't, I would probably more or less dismiss this because what he's talking about is his sources and what are his sources. Again, I'm not doubting that there's information coming out that the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones. I'm not doubting that. What I'm doubting is whether or not it's good information as opposed to garbage information. Is this actual leaked information or is this planned leaked information that is meant to be sort of disinformation? And I saw Dara and and again, I've asked the question myself, why would they do this? And I think my favorite explanation is the conspiracy theory that was handed to me, which again is a one in a million shot, but it's not disinformation to the teams behind you. It's disinformation to the teams in front of you, specifically the Jets. You've got a brand spanking new head coach, offensive coordinator, a whole new regime over there that doesn't really know exactly what they're doing, and they're running almost an identical scheme. In fact, you could borderline say they're, they're planning on ripping off the 49ers. It's ex-49ers that are going over there. So what are they doing? Big Papa LaFleur and the 49ers, the originators, you know, not the actual, but as far as today's modern NFL, they're the originators of what is the Shanahan offense. They are the authority on that style of offense are saying Justin Fields is no good. Mac Jones is is the real answer here. In fact, you've got the further information of, I mean, you know, maybe Trey Lance too, but definitely not Justin Fields. Definitely not Justin Fields. It just sort of feels to me, not that we know it's Mac Jones, it's that we know it's not Justin Fields. That's a weird thing, isn't it? It almost seems to me as though they really like Justin Fields. And although it's assumed that Zach Wilson's going number two, it's possible that the 49ers are also considering Justin, or the Jets are also considering Justin Fields. And maybe part of this is putting out this, this sort of aroma, this, this idea, some doubt in the Jets' minds, front office, offensive coordinator, etc. 
that Justin Fields is not the right answer and you want to stick with Zach Wilson. Now, that would imply that uh, the 49ers like Justin Fields more than Zach Wilson, which is entirely possible. That would be kind of assumed because otherwise they'd be pumping up Justin Fields in hopes that Zach Wilson falls and they're not doing that. They're throwing off the scent that they have any interest in Justin Fields, if anything. And again, listen to what he had said. It's not going to be Justin Fields. I'm hearing Mac Jones. If not Mac Jones, it's Trey Lance, but it's definitely not Justin Fields. That's just such a weird sentiment. And again, it's a one in a million shot that a team that has taken over for the the Jets, the the GM, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, they're all going to get together and just say, well, you know, let's just do what the 49ers think. But even if there's a 1% chance you sow a little bit of doubt, go for it. Try to get your guy to fall to you. If Justin Fields is your guy, there's a good chance he's about to fall to you, but you want to make absolutely sure. So you just start sending out signals. This guy's garbage. I don't want him. Makes perfect sense to me. Now, again, getting back to this, Michael Lombardi should know better. He should understand that there's a ton of false information out there, and he's coming out and putting his stamp, especially the end of that. It was very definitive. Now, if it was just my source, you know, at the beginning, he's talking about my sources say, you know, my sources are better than your sources. My sources say this. Okay, well, whatever. But at the end, he just said flat out, he's not going three. It's not going to happen. It just kind of, it feels like pretty definitive. So I don't know. It's definitely going to be interesting, and I'm glad it's happening if for no other reason than, to be completely honest, I don't know who's going to. I know everybody settled in on it's definitely Zach Wilson. I don't know that it is for sure. It probably is. I'm thinking probably 80%. But if Justin Fields went, it wouldn't necessarily be the most earth-shattering thing. And the fact that I don't really know outside of the first pick what's going to happen is a good thing. There's nothing worse than settling into a draft and pretty much it's like, all right, this should be this pick, and it is. And then it's probably this pick, and it is. And yeah, it's probably the, yeah, and it is. And it's just the same old boring thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're going to pick this, yes. And then they're going to pick this, yep, that's it. Which also just kind of goes to show the idea that teams select best player available is not necessarily the reality. These things follow mock drafts almost identically, at least for the first half of the first round. And most mock drafts are a blend of talent and need. All right, if Patrick Sertan is available for the Cowboys, he's probably going to be going there. It doesn't really matter if he's the top player. It's because everybody knows they really, really need a quarter or a cornerback. It's not a coincidence that teams just so happen to be getting needs with just about every single pick. That doesn't happen by accident. Anyways, there's one last thing I want to look at before we get out of here. Um, and I'll, I'll probably do some more of this later, but a lot of these guys have not submitted their mock drafts yet. Um, rather than just looking at any random mock drafts, I want to look at the most accurate mock drafters. So for example, the guys with the best five-year track record, a lot of these guys have not done their mocks yet, but some of the guys that were the most accurate last year have. The most accurate mock draft in all of 2020 was done by Jason Pruitt over at DraftPlex. Three of the top five from last year are uh, have submitted mocks. I don't know if these are their official last mocks, but it's still interesting to look at them. Two of the guys actually came from EDS Football, eatdrinkandsleepfootball.com. One of those guys has moved on to a new site, but Kevin Hansen, I think, was the... Where is he? Kevin Hansen... Oh, no. There he is, Donahue. So, Brennan Donahue actually tied for fifth place last year with his mock draft. He has the Green Bay Packers selecting Jamin Davis. He doesn't really give a clear and concise reason why it's a good fit for the Packers, more or less that he just feels he's going to be a first-round pick and we're almost done with the first round. So, not a super big vote of confidence in that pick, but, you know, again... He's pretty good, and this is a very reputable, it sounds like a ridiculous website, but, I mean, they do a pretty good job. And he had one of the top mock drafts last year. Uh, Rob Stanton was third last year with Seahawks draft blog. 
he actually has somewhat of an unusual pick that I have not really seen, but um, you could argue makes a good amount of sense, and that is the Green Bay Packers with the 29th pick select Creed Humphrey, center out of Oklahoma. And then finally, the most accurate mock draft in all of 2020 was Jason Pruitt of DraftPlex. Uh, he has the Packers selecting at pick 29, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He goes on to say, I'll be the first to admit that this is far too low for uh, JOK, but need and fit will probably impact his actual draft range, the most out of any first-round prospect. The Packers wouldn't seem like a natural landing spot, but the value is too good here, and new defensive coordinator Joe Barry just might have a plan for JOK's unique skill set. So nothing too wild and crazy so far. Um, again, one of the more accurate guys did have us taking Creed Humphrey. It does seem relatively unlikely the Packers taking an interior offensive lineman early, but it also seems unlikely they take a linebacker, which is what the other two options were, or a wide receiver, or any of the other number of positions we don't normally take. And again, I try not to make rules out of circumstances, right? Well, there's been five picks, and it hasn't happened in five picks, therefore they don't ever do it. But uh, since we haven't really talked about the guy, it's worth talking about the guy. Creed Humphrey does get a lot of uh, buzz. In fact, he used to be a very... uh, prominent first round pick in fact early I think he was the uh, the go-to first round interior offensive lineman he was kind of like uh, Elijah Vera Tucker for a very long time and has fallen into the second unfortunately his grades are not all that fantastic in 2018 he had a very good pass blocking grade after that was a 61 and then a 68 he has not allowed a single sack in his three years at Oklahoma he's only allowed two hits he has allowed 26 hurries in 2020 zero sacks zero hits seven hurries but again a lot of that is going to come down to scheme and whatnot. He did, however, grade very, very well as a run blocker. That seems to be his biggest strength. Interestingly enough, if you look at true pass sets, which um, eliminates kind of nonsensical things, he allowed zero sacks, zero hits, and zero hurries. So that's that's pretty impressive. In fact, zero sacks, zero hits in, in three years ever. He's only allowed five hurries in what they consider true pass sets. Now, true pass sets can work for or against you, depending on what we're talking about. Scheme can help you a lot. If it's a quick passing situation where the ball gets out of the quarterback's hand in X amount of seconds, I forget what it is, they don't count it. If it's a rollout, a design rollout, they don't count that. But also, if uh, if your quarterback fumbles the ball and somebody falls on him and gets a sack, they're not going to count that against you. So the, the statistics look fine, but for whatever reason, they didn't grade him very well as a pass blocker. Again, as a run blocker, he actually took a massive step. His three-year grade, 77-70, and then 84.7. He is primarily a gap blocker, though. Only 44% of the time was he in zone. 47% of the time was gap. Again, I don't know what they're doing those other few percent of the time, but they're doing something. Spinning heel kicks or something. I'm not really sure what that other thing would be. But, um, you know, needless to say, I wouldn't be super excited, but I guess I would get it. You know, we do need players, and he has only ever played center, so he would be a center, which means Elton Jenkins would be locked in at guard, which is fine. Uh, We would still need a tackle and a bunch of other stuff, but... I guess you could say I would be disappointed, right? (laughs) Like everything else, I'd talk myself into it, but it's like, I think we can get centers later. You can find guys that are probably about this good and that are competent in the later rounds. You don't need to use a first-round pick on it, but whatever. Again, I just thought it was interesting because these are uh, some of the guys that have done fairly well at predicting. And again, when when the guys with the longer five-year track records, when they release their mocks, we'll go through those because those are going to obviously be much more interesting. Some of these guys probably just got lucky and hit this one year and we won't see them again. But anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.